Our scripture lesson this morning is continuing our study of Old Testament people. We call them heroes, but there is only one hero of the Old Testament, and that hero is... I didn't hear that. The one hero of the Old Testament is... I still didn't hear that. The one hero of the Old Testament is... Three times you got it. There's only one hero of the New Testament, God. Our faith is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's whose story we tell. As we come to our text this morning, we hear the words of the prophet Jeremiah, a passage that a lot of people know one verse out of it, but I hope this morning we hear the whole letter that Jeremiah wrote, and we hear why it's such an important text. Taking Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 14, if you have a Bible with you, please turn to it. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. We're told that the letter was sent by hand of Elisha, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Helkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill my prophecy to you and my promise, and I will bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come to me and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. I was 18 years old. I was a freshman in college, how appropriate since we're talking this morning, not just to all of our congregation, but to those who are recent graduates of high school. I was a freshman in college, and somebody gave me a little pamphlet that started with these words, and I've always loved the way it says it, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Did you hear that? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Amen. I can sit down now. (laughs) We're going to say it together. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And now we're going to change it to me. God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was a reluctant prophet. He came, you see, from a line not of prophets, but of priests. And it was during a difficult time. He started prophesying 639 B.C. That's, for all of us, 
over 2,600 years ago. Now, because he was from a line of priests, he came from a cool family. You see, being a priest was a good thing to be. It was the people who went to the temple, and they took care of the temple, and they had very rigid instructions they had to follow, and nothing ever changed. People liked being priests, and people liked the priests because they gave them continuity in their life. Prophets, on the other hand, were unpredictable. When things were good, they may challenge the people and say, you know, things are good, but you need to change this, and nobody wanted to hear it. And when things were bad, they would blame them, because why hadn't you told me the things I need to do to correct? Well, when Jeremiah came to be a prophet, in this line of priests who were loved and cared for, and now he's a prophet, he unfortunately came during the time of Manasseh, who was king. And Manasseh was the most evil of all the kings. I know I say that every week, that this guy was bad. Well, this guy was worse. Well, this guy was the worst of them all. Well, this was the worst of the worst of the worst. He came to the throne when he was 12 years old. And I started thinking about that. Think about having a bad king who's a middle schooler. (laughs) You got it. Eventually, after many years, he passed away, and Anon became his son, was his son, and he was also an evil king. Well, again, priests keep everything stable and people like them. Prophets didn't. It made me think of a pop culture reference. I love pop culture reference. Gilligan's Island. It's on TV. It's just, it, it doesn't come in high definition, but trust me, it's still on TV because I still watch it. Do you remember the millionaire in Gilligan's Island? What was his name? Thurston Howell III. Do you remember his wife's name? Lovey. That's what Regina wants me to call her, Lovey. (laughs) So Thurston Howell III is a millionaire, and they're stranded on an island. And one day, he's reading the newspaper, and his wife comes to him and says, Why do you read the newspaper? He says, I don't really read the newspaper. I read the stock report. She said, but nothing ever changes. You never make any money. He goes, yeah, but I never lose any money either. He liked the consistency. He liked yesterday to look like today to look like tomorrow because it made his life in that moment easier. That's what Jeremiah came from. People who made life consistent, and along comes a rebel rouser, Jeremiah, who's there to preach warnings. Warnings that were not heeded, and eventually the nation was captured and went into captivity under the Babylonians. Now Jeremiah is writing a letter to those in captivity in Babylon, and he doesn't say, ha ha, I told you so. Okay, honest time here. How many of you ever given somebody else advice and they haven't taken it and things went wrong for them? Come on. How many of you ever honestly told somebody, if you do this, it's really not going to go well? How many of you said, I told you so? (laughs) Honest time. That's what we usually do. He didn't say, I told you so. Instead, he wrote the letter that we hear this morning. It's really a letter about God having a wonderful plan for your life. Even though the people hadn't listened to him, even though they're in captivity, now he's writing to them to give them encouragement. And it's four things that I hope our graduates hear, but I really hear it, hope it's four things we all hear. Words for all of us. At each moment in our life. The first thing is turn away from false prophets. 
and we sit there and go, oh, I don't listen to false prophets. Oh, yes, we all do. We all listen to those people who tell us the things we want to hear as opposed to the things we need to hear. We read it in verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie. False prophets told the people to compromise their values, and everything will be okay. And that wasn't true. False prophets said, just become like the Babylonians and give up your religion and life will be fine. It was a lie. False prophets also told them that there was a quick fix. The problem is that that was a lie because they were going to spend 70 years in captivity. So young people, as you are getting ready to go to college, if somebody says to you, oh, I have an easier, softer way, don't take your finals, drop out, do something different, it's a lie. When you're with friends at college and they say, oh, you don't need to study for that exam, let's go out and party tonight. They're false prophets. It's a lie. We all need to hear that in our lives. There are people who will tell us things can have a softer, easier way, but it's not true. Now, this isn't really true of going to college, but it's true of all of life. When you walk into the woods for 20 miles and you decide you need to turn your life around, and you turn around, how far do you have to walk? Let's say that again. How many miles? 20 miles. There's a lot of people out there who will tell you, if you make a mess out of something, oh, turn around, and there's a way to make it all better right at once. No, there's not. Those are false prophets. That's what was happening in Babylon. The people were we're hearing from people who are saying, oh no, there's an easier way. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to do the tough work. And Jeremiah said, listen, I got great news for you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Don't listen to those false prophets because they're only going to make life worse. The second thing he said to them is something else we need to hear. Bloom where you're planted. Far too often people go through life and get dreaming about another time or another place or something else. Oh, I just can't wait till I retire. You're 25 years old. What do you want to be 70 for? <laughs> now, for all the 70-year-olds, there's nothing wrong with being 70 either, but, you know, don't wish to be 95 either. I remember many times in my life, I would stop and think, I can't wait until, and then I'd always stop and say, wait a second. Be happy now. It is the secret to life. The secret to success is to do the right thing today. To today, take care of today and do what we need to do today, and tomorrow will take care of itself. I think a very wise man named Jesus said something pretty similar. Verses 5 through 7. Remember, this is written to people in captivity. This is written to college students right before finals as they're thinking, get me out of here, I'm only a freshman. I don't know if I can go through four years. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have your sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare for the city in which you live. Live today, Jeremiah said. Live today. Buy a house. You're going to be there for 70 years. 
A lot of times when we're so focused on something in the future, we miss what's right in front of us. I love the old Carly Simon song. These are the good old days. Don't think about the past. Don't worry about the future. Look at what is right in front of us today. Even if things aren't going the way we want them to go, bloom where you're planted and enjoy today. Have a family, he says. Help your community to thrive. The word that Jeremiah uses here is the word shalom. He doesn't mean help your community get rich and have more money than everyone else. He means help your community have peace. It's what we prayed for a few moments ago. Pray for peace in our country, that people could learn to work together. You want to have a successful country? Have people of differing opinions learn to talk to each other and work together. Jesus teaches us that we are ministers of reconciliation. We should not just seek, be seeking to help people be reconciled to God. We should be working to help people reconcile to each other so that there's peace in our families, peace in our communities, peace in our church, peace in our country. Amen? Come on, folks. That's what we're here for. And this wasn't written to somebody living in South Carolina or South Dakota or Montana or Massachusetts. This was written to somebody who had been taken to captivity in another country. And Jeremiah says, work for peace where you are. Work for prosperity so people may thrive. Don't fall into the category that so many people do in our world. Oh, I work for a bad company. They make your company better. I don't like the morals and ethics of the company I work for. Then what are you doing to change them? How are you helping people live to a higher standard? Oh, I go to a bad college. I, I made a mistake. I should have gone to another college. Then what are you doing in your college to make your college a better place and to reach out to people? Have a different kind of mindset. For when looking at the future, don't forget today because today matters. Years ago, I was in my last year of my first appointment in Lowell. And I got a crazy idea of starting a Habitat for Humanity project. And you know, at the time, I could have mailed it in. I was getting ready to move to Lincoln, Rhode Island. But instead, I felt strong that God wanted me to work with somebody else to found a Habitat project. And we did that. And I remember when we did all the work and we had all these meetings and then we're meeting in, our, in the basement of my church. We had about 40 people there and we needed to elect a president. And I said, okay, I've taken it to this point. We need to elect a president. And they looked at me and they said, why don't you become the president? Now, it was a nice honor because I was a young kid. I was about 29, 30 years old at the time. I said, I can't. I'm moving. They go, what do you mean? I said, oh, I've known this whole time. I'm moving. The bishop is appointing me somewhere else. I could have not done that. I could have been looking to the future and forgetting about what was right there. And I would have missed one of the greatest things that I was privileged to be involved with ever as a pastor. And today that project is doing extremely well. It has nothing to do with me. But it has to do with the fact that I didn't mail it in and think about the future and miss what was right in front of me. And it's always the task for all of us if we're going to understand that God has a wonderful plan for our life. I like to call it this. Keep your head where your feet are. Keep your head where your feet are. So many people get obsessed over the future, thinking about the past, worrying about a mistake they made, thinking, oh, when such and such happens, then I'll be able to finally attain. The issue is today. 
God has a wonderful plan for your life today. Turn away from false prophets, Jeremiah says. Bloom where you're planted and stay positive. There's enough negativity in the world. Let the negative naysayers of Nabom be out there. Don't let them in your own head. Because when we become the negative people, it just tears us down. And that's that wonderful verse that so many people know. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God is always with you. God is always with me. God is always with us. There's no reason to be negative. There's no reason to be discouraged. There's no reason to give up. He has plans for you. Light at the end of the tunnel when things are difficult. Welfare, he says. Again, it's that word shalom. It means peace. God has a plan for your life for peace. To be able to get along with people. To be able to detach from things that seem so awful. And remember, this was not written to people at Club Med. This was not written to people laying on a beach in the Bahamas. This was written to people who were in the midst of a horrible storm of their life because they'd been taken into captivity by another country. They're living in Babylon thinking, when do I get to go back to Judah? And the prophet says, remember, stay positive. God wants you to have peace right now today. And he does want a future for you. The word, the Hebrew word here is a haret. It means an end of struggle. No matter what we face at any time in our life, when we go through those struggles, they're only for a time. One of the best things I ever learned was from an elderly woman in my second congregation. She was a Bruins fan, for any of you Bruins fans. None of you will ever compete with her. Because this woman was blind and she watched every game. I said, why don't you ever listen to it on the radio? She goes, I don't know. I like to watch it on the TV. <laughs> she was blind. I also had a guy, I also knew a Baptist minister, true story. It has nothing to do with the text, but it's a good story. <laughs> Lowell, Massachusetts, Baptist minister around the corner, blind, totally blind from birth. Walked around with a cane, used to walk down to the train, get on the train, go to Boston, get to Boston, get on the Green Line, go to Fenway Park, sit in Fenway Park, listen to the Red Sox with his radio just so he could be there watching the game. Stay positive, folks. Stay positive. There's an end to the struggle. Whether it's a blind person saying, it's okay, I can get through this. There'll be an end to my trouble someday. I'll see with perfect eyes. Or whether it be not, I'm looking to heaven and eternity for my life to be healed. But right now, whatever I'm facing, I know there'll be an end. And that's why he says, you'll have peace. God has a future for you and a hope. A hope means an expectation for something good. It's like, it, it would be like if I was going to be a grandfather in October, early November. <laughs> every week, every week, you gotta, you got to find it. But that's what it's talking about. There's a hope. There's something good coming. Do you get up in the morning every single day the way we should get up in the morning, listening to what Jeremiah says and say, God is wanting peace in my life. 
God is wanting me to end. know that whatever is a struggle, it's going to end. It's only for a time, and God's going to do something good to be expectant that that's who the Heavenly Father is, and that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. You will have times when it seems like you're stuck, and I will have times when I think I'm stuck. But the prophet Jeremiah says, the way we get through it is we stay positive. And finally, we trust God. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our government. We don't trust our schools. My college doesn't exist anymore. I read recently, 30% of all the colleges in the Boston area are predicted to go out of business in the next 20 years. Do you know what that means? That means there's going to be college students going to colleges, and during their years, they're going to discover that the college they're going to is going to close. Trust God, not the college. Trust God, not the company. There's going to be people who are going to be so excited because they're going to start with a company that's an amazing company, and I've seen it throughout my ministry. They just cannot wait to get to work for this company only to find the company goes out of business. Do we trust our company? Do we trust our boss? Do we trust our government? Do we put our trust in our dollars and our currencies and our hard work, or do we put our trust in God? That's what Jeremiah says. Put your trust in God. Then you will call on me, verse 12, and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me, and you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I'll be found, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes. I'll gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you to exile. And at those moments when we feel like we're in exile, Jeremiah reminds us, as he reminded them, that God was in charge and it's God who answers our prayers. Amen? Amen. Who do we trust in? God. Who's the hero of the text? God. But far too many people get discouraged and frustrated because we put our trust in everything else. And this is why we all struggle where we call the silence of God. Those moments in our life when everything has gone okay, and now all of a sudden it hasn't, and we feel alone. And we offer our prayer and we expect it to be answered right now. And it isn't. And it feels like God is silent. And that's why it always reminds me of the time when I was a little kid. I can date it back to being a first grader. So I must have been six years old. And my mom and dad wanted me to learn to skate. So for Christmas I got up and I had my first pair of skates. And after we opened all the gifts and I was excited, my dad took me outside and that night he had flooded our backyard and it was now a perfect skating rink. And in North Dakota you can do that because it stays cold 364 days out of the year. <laughs> I could skate until summer. And I became a good little skater. But you know I used to fall down a lot, but I was out there all by myself skating around that little skating rink. He gave me a hockey stick, and I was better than Bobby Orr. <laughs> there was no goalie, so it, how hard is it for a first grader to put the, the puck in the net when there's nobody else out there? And one day I said to my mom, you know, I'm so proud of the fact that when I was a little kid, I learned to skate all by myself. And she said, that's interesting, because she said, you remember that we had a big window? It was a big play class window. She said, your dad and I used to sit every time you went out and you skated. 
and we would look out and we'd watch you skate. And we'd see you fall down and I'd say, Daddy, we need to go help him. And your dad would say, nope, nope, he needs to get up all by himself. He needs to learn to do it himself. He said, I'd see you struggle and your little feet would go wobbly. And I'd say, Ralph, you should go out and you should show him what to do. He'd go, nope, Lenore, nope, he'll be okay. That's how God treats us during those silent moments. You may feel alone at times. You may feel like you're in captivity in Babylon. You may be getting ready for a final going, oh my goodness, if I get 100, it'll take my grade all the way up to 40. I know, I've been a dad. <laughs> I know the panic of what it's like having mom and dad come out to graduation. Sorry, Todd, I hope you never hear this sermon. I know the panic that you have having mom and dad come out to graduation in the week before saying, well, I get to walk the line. I got that last grade. It can be scary at moments. And I know that God can feel like he's far away. But the same is true throughout our life. There's times when we feel like we didn't listen to what we should have listened to or we did our best and now we feel like we're captives in Babylon. And Jeremiah's words come right back to us. And it's really a pretty simple formula for understanding that God has a wonderful plan for our lives. Turn away from the false prophets who tell you there's an easier way. God has a plan for us to do our things, and a lot of times it takes far more work and sweat than we want to acknowledge. Bloom where you're planted. Work for tomorrow, but don't miss what's right in front of us today. Stay positive. No matter what, stay positive. And how come we can stay positive? Because we trust in who? God. At this time, I would like to invite our college graduates forward. Them too. And our high school graduates. I'd like to invite our high school graduates forward. As we're thinking about God's plans for our lives, there's nothing more exciting and encouraging to see awesome young people. You guys have had a lot of good things happen in your life so far. And we know that God has wonderful plans in the future. Now, I know some of them got no sleep last night because I said to them, you have to talk to the congregation, so we'll make it pretty easy. You guys can all move down. I'm going to ask each one of you simple little questions, as long as you answer them. The first will be, please tell us your name. You get to go first, Ben, nice and loud. Ben Healy. Make sure we can hear him. Wait a second. Try again. So I'm Ben Healy. Okay. Where'd you, oh, no, no, no. We're not. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's not that'd be far too easy. Where did you graduate? Right up. Mike up. New Testament Christian School. Awesome. And what are your plans for the coming year or the time ahead? What are we going to be doing? I'm uh, going to try and get into Bridgewater. Uh, I got a few hoops I got to jump through to get through, uh, get through the uh, admission process. But other than that... Um, just going to focus on work. You have an idea of what you'd like to study? English, literature, and specifically so that I can start teaching as an English teacher. Awesome. Wonderful. We have loved having you be in, part of our congregation. And, <laughs> and continuing to be part of our congregation, we're going to talk to you guys a little bit about stuff we do for our college students when we're done. One of the things that has been always nice in our church is our college students stay active in our church, and we're excited for each of you also. 
Christopher, nice and hold it up here. What is your name? Uh, my name is Christopher. Christopher, last name? Polito. Christopher Polito. And where did you graduate? Plymouth North. And what are your plans for the fall and into the future? Uh, I'm going to go to Westfield College. Okay. Uh, and uh, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah, you do not have to have a major. <laughs> I, I, was told, I was told a number of times that the number one major for freshmen in college is uh, undecided. And the number one thing the college students do is change your major. So you do not have to have it all figured out. Um, Christopher, it is exciting to have you part of our congregation. Christopher is involved with lots of different ministries in our church, and we're excited to continue having you part of our church. First, we need the name. Taylor Johnson. Taylor Johnson. <laughs> Taylor, when did I first meet you? <clears throat> Remember? I'll ask your mom. You know the story. She was a little girl. I met her at the oh, bus stop. When, yeah, at the she bus stop. She used to live around the when corner When I was going here. to Federal Furnace. Yeah, she went to Federal Furnace. It took a while. They finally started attending worship here. Um, where did you graduate from high school? Um, Plymouth North High School. Okay. And Taylor is an extremely talented what? I wouldn't say that, but I, so I sing. Uh -huh, exactly. <laughs> See, I sing. she would never say, I'm a talented singer, so I put her up to it and made her say it. She's an incredibly <laughs> talented singer, and I know that she was accepted to a couple colleges. Which one are you going to be going to? I'm going to Belmont University in, in um, Nashville, Tennessee. Ooh. Yeah. And your major is going to be? Um, commercial music and, my, and performance and voice. Awesome. You have an excuse to not be here every Sunday. You're fine. <laughs> but we look forward to it. Thank you. Go for it, young man. Hello. What's your name? Michael Mitchell, also known as Crispy. Uh, also known as Crispy, exactly. And where did you graduate? Plymouth North. And what are your plans for the fall? Um, I'm going to go to UMass Dartmouth for computer science, but I got put in an applied engineering calculus class, so I don't know if I'm going to stay in that. So you could be an engineer or science. What, are your, what do you hope to do long term? Do you have any thoughts after college and stuff? Or? Um, <laughs> Dad had something. What do you say? What do you say? We can ignore him. He what do you say? <laughs> he ignores me, I can ignore him. That's right? true. But I want to know what he said. What did you say? Oh. I'm like the last one there. I don't know why you'd want that to happen. Do You're you like, gonna miss me. Do you like fishing? Eh. Yeah, I like. I, I like boating. Okay. Not fishing. Okay. We look forward to the future for you. Thank yeah. you. Name, please. Hi, I'm Andrew Costa. And where did you graduate, Andrew? I graduated, oh, I graduated from Plymouth North. Yep, and you're going to where? What are you doing in the fall? Um, I'm going to Four, four Seas, so Cape Cod Community College, okay. and uh, very undecided. Okay, so, so undecided. Yeah. Awesome to do, to go community college route. That's great. Do you have any ideas, um, majors in the future after Cape Cod, or are you just doing? College. College. <laughs> Sounds good. How about in the summer? Do you have a job this summer? Um, yeah. What are you oh, doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Um, I work at a grocery store. Which one? Uh, Clements. It's in Manomet. You should all go. 
Yeah, Clements does something where we get like a discount or, some, or a, 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 we get money back. Don't go to Shaw's. He's going to tell you to go to Shaw's. Shaw's was better. <laughs> Shaw's is not better. What would your name be? I'm Jenna Schultz. Are you excited that Pastor Stan has you talking? No. no. <laughs> I told her at a party yesterday at her house, I said, oh, by the way, you're going to speak a little bit at church tomorrow. She's like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. So <laughs> sorry about doing that. Okay, where are you going in the fall? Bridgewater State. Do you know what your major is going to be? No. Okay, so you're going in undecided. <laughs> um, Jenna has been super involved with so many things in our church. One of the things she and her sister does a lot of that people just don't see is all kinds of free childcare for families in this church. She is an awesome young woman with that. So Thank any you. other plans in the future or things you're hoping to do? No. Job over the summer, anything? I'm babysitting. Babysitting. Loves kids. So you're planning on being a teacher? I don't know. <laughs> Mom's a teacher. Awesome. <laughs> name, rank, name, rank, and serial number. No, no, give us your name. Um, I'm Hannah O'Brien. Awesome. And where did you go to college? I mean, high school. <laughs> um, I went to Sturgis Charter School. Sturgis, and that is where? In Hyannis. In Hyannis. Yes. And what are your plans for the fall? Um, I'll be attending the UMass Amherst Honors College, and I'll be majoring in biology on the pre-med track. Awesome. Are you hoping to be a doctor? Is that your... I hope so. That would be exciting. Yeah. We will keep you in prayers. It, look forward to having you around. Are you doing stuff over the summer? Anything big and exciting? Um, I am going to nationals for figure skating at the end of June, so that's exciting. Exciting. Yes. Awesome. Congratulations. We'd like your name? Emma Coleman. Awesome. And what school did you graduate from? Plymouth North High School. Went to Plymouth North High mm -hmm. School. And tell us what your plans are for the fall or in the future going mm -hmm. forward. I'm going to Massasoit next year, and I'm doing social science. <laughs> we got a lot of Massasoit yeah. people here, so they'll keep an eye on you. Don't worry, Mom and Dad. You're, we got her covered. Um, so what did you say major is going to be? Social science. Social science. Mm -hmm. Do you have things you're hoping to do in the future? Not really sure yet. Not really mm -hmm. sure. How about right now over the summer? Any plans? Yeah, I have um, two jobs. What are they? Um, I work at Michael's and I work at Justice for Girls. Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. we're thinking of kind of in the future, we want to let you know that there, there used to be kind of this thing where, and you might, this might be a bummer for you, it used to be a thing in the church where like you graduated, we did this, and then like you didn't have to worry about us again. Not here. So that's not really what Faith Community Church does. What we really try to do um, is we try to continue to provide things for you to do, things for you to be involved with. Not that we're necessarily wanting if you live two hours away in a college to like every single weekend drive home and feel guilt and pressure because that's not what it's about. But instead, we don't want to lose you guys because I will tell you that your group, if you look up there, I think there's, there's at least like 15 of you up there. And the only other group we have that's the size of that is in, in this coming year, we're having 15 babies in 18 months. But other than that group, when grandfather, other than that group, you are one of our largest, and you guys have really made some awesome connections with each other, which, with people in the church, um, with your pastors, and we just, we really love you guys, we really care about you guys, and so we don't want, we don't want you to feel like this is the end. 
Um, we don't want you to feel like Faith Community Church doesn't really care about me anymore because like youth ministry is over. So we have a lot of different things that we offer, both in our church and so outside of our church. We have a Tuesday um, guys group that is offered throughout the summer. We have a Wednesday guys group offered throughout the summer. We have a Saturday ladies group out the, throughout the summer. We also have Wednesday evening, there is a young adult program in town that's kind of a multi-church group. It's called The Gathering. There are a lot of different people from different churches that go. A number of you go to that. We encourage you to do that. We also each year do a college-age ministry, and I'm inviting, my wife doesn't know this, but I'm inviting all of you over to my house in a couple weeks um, and anyone else your age um, for a breakfast, and we're going to talk and we're going to say, like, what do you guys want to do this summer? Because we've kind of thrown down around different ideas, and I think something that happens in churches is all the adults talk and you guys like either show up or don't, but that's not really what Faith Community Church does. We try to make sure that we're doing things that are going to really make sense. So we want to invite all of you over. I'll be contacting all of you individually, texting or emailing or calling or whatever, um, and we'll get this set up. But we want to know that we want you guys to know that whether you're going to Nashville or you're going to Cape Cod or you're staying in town, we care about you, we love you, and we're really excited for you. And now I'd like to have a prayer for you for all of our high school graduates. And following that, Alone is going to come up and is going to close our service as we're going to sing our last song. I also would like all of you, as we are singing our last song, I'm going to ask you all to go down to the Fellowship Hall. There's a big cake there. We'd like to get a picture with all of you with the cake. And then we're also going to invite our congregation following worship. Please go down to the Fellowship Hall and you'll have an opportunity to greet our high school graduates. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each of these young people, for their families, the incredible impact they've had on them. For the others who are not able to be here this morning, but we know that you're working in their lives, and we give you thanks for that. We pray your blessing on each one of them. We pray that you will not only help them know that they did well getting to this point, but you have an amazing future for them. We pray your blessing. We pray your guidance. We pray your peace and your Holy Spirit into their lives to guide and to direct them Today and every day, help them have a wonderful year ahead and help them continue to trust in you and see your faithfulness. We thank you for the love that this congregation has for the young people in our church, and we pray your continued blessing on each of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you guys could go to the hall and people meet you there. At this time in our service, we take the moment just to soak in and to reflect deeply on the message and the word that we have heard and to still ourselves, to discern and to hear and to listen as God is calling and speaking to our hearts. So as we take that moment just to calm ourselves, center ourselves, bring ourselves fully back into his presence. And as we bow our head in prayer, dear most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day, for this opportunity, for us to come together as a family and just to celebrate and praise your name. Thank you so much for the plans that you have for us, the journey that you've laid before us. We know that sometimes it is difficult and it is hard, but you said there are difficult and hard times, but you are with us. 
and for us to trust you. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity and this time that as we close out our service together, that we have this moment to come forward and to lay our concerns, our fear, our anxiety at the cross. We thank you so much that Jesus came into our, our world and into our hearts and into our lives. Thank you so much for loving us, even at times where we could not love ourselves. Thank you. This we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. At this time, when we close out our last song, we welcome those to come, to come here to the altar to pray your concerns, your fears, your anxieties, the situations and storms that surround us in our lives where we just need to take that opportunity, that moment to let go and to let God. So we welcome you here to the altar for prayer, for reflection. If you feel as though he has stirred you and Christ is calling you to accept him, we welcome you to the altar.